this you might just want to think this if life is seemingly pretty darn good for you as a christian you might want to consider something and what i mean by that is there's no troubles nothing coming no attacks you might want to ask yourself are you even a threat to the enemy are you living with one foot in the world and according to the world's values and the world's goals is the world telling you to live this way and you're like well you know everyone else does well that's the world satan's not going to trouble you why would he trouble you you're not a threat Living with one foot in this world and the other following Jesus? The Bible says that even though we live in the world, we shouldn't live according to the world. It's easy to become desensitized to our culture's trends, but this is not what Christ would have for you. He wants your whole heart. In Pastor Mark's message today, he speaks about how living according to the world's standards doesn't create a threat for the devil. When you live a purposeful life for Jesus and use his love to change the other people's lives, you become a threat to the enemy. This is when you may fight against opposition from the devil because now you've become a threat. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 for today's edition of Come Alive. All right, we're still in Nehemiah. We're going to be in chapter 4. We So Nehemiah went to his father in heaven and he explained the situation. He did the right thing. He asked for help. Nehemiah left his request and his outcomes to God. He didn't try to fix it. Remember those prayers in Nehemiah chapter 1? He prayed and he didn't hop up and just automatically start doing it. He prayed for four months. Sometimes it takes a little while for God to say, okay, cool, because what does prayer do? Well, it actually, it changes us. It doesn't change God. It doesn't force God's hand. It changes you and I. Our prayers often should be in a circumstantial situation that, Lord, please change me instead of the circumstance. And God does. He'll get you through it. Look at verse 6 with me one more time. Verse 6 of of Nehemiah chapter 4 says this. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Their minds were no longer given over to gossip. They had work to do and it was God who called them to that work so they wanted to honor their God. Fear and faith, as I always say, cannot work together. One will rule the day. One will take over. It's either fear or faith, but it's the one you will allow, the dog you feed most, the strongest one, the one that you focus on. Are you going to be afraid or are you just going to have faith? It's ultimately your choice. It truly is. You will choose. You can say, well, no, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm sure I've been through some of the stuff you've gone through. Maybe not exactly, Uh, But I've been through some pretty big things. See, prayers and hard work do not always make smooth paths or assure us of quick success. But with each step forward, Nehemiah was met with another obstacle to finishing the wall. And you're like, well, God, that's not very uplifting. I, I didn't need to hear that. I was hoping you would say with more prayer, it got better and easier. It didn't get easier, but it got better. Not easy. I mean... 
remember, we all want these mountaintop experiences, but most of us don't want to do the hike to the top. It's a lot of hard work. The air gets thinner. You're breathing heavier. There's stuff you have to accomplish and conquer. But when you get to the top, you're like, yeah, great. But remember, as we said, stuff doesn't grow on mountaintops often. It's in the valleys where the fruit is. Driving to the men's retreat this week, when we drove there, it was very hilly and there's a lot of granite in the ground. But what we did see and what we did find was that in the valley, there was a lot of vineyards where the fruit grew. Up at the top, you could see some dead trees. You saw more dead trees at the top of the hills than you saw actually in the valleys. See, fear and faith don't work together. Prayers and hard work don't always make for smooth paths. Or assure a quick success. Sometimes you have to continue praying. And God wants to see if you're faithful. Are you faithful with the little things that he's given you? Do, do you take those things that he's given you, those blessings? Maybe it could be your work. It could be your stuff, the material things. And do you turn them into idols? Do you focus on those things more than you focus on him? Has he been replaced by the blessing? See, with each step forward, Nehemiah was met with other obstacles, and we're going to look at that. Nehemiah and his builders had survived that initial attack, being a verbal attack, which they thought was hard because they're like, oh, no, great, they're going to come, they're going to do this, and oh, man. But they had a mind to work. Why? Because they went to the Lord. They sought the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, you don't worry about it. You keep doing what I ask you to do. And I'll take care of all the rest. But Lord, you know, you're not doing it quick enough. That's okay. It's not your timing we're worried about. It's God's timing. And so we tend to get worried. The enemy may have been resisted, but he's not above changing tactics. So we go from a verbal assault to phase two was now quickly being devised that it involved, well, we went from, you know, words never hurt me, but we know that they do. And now we're in the sticks and stones portion of the message. Look at verse 7. It's the conspiracy to attack the work here. It says, now it happened, verse 7 of Nehemiah 4. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now, that's all the enemy wants to do. If he can create enough confusion, well, he doesn't really have to exert a lot of effort to win. So Sanballat and Tobiah controlled, let me just give you some history on these guys, they controlled the Samaria, the region that was north of Judea. The Arabs, under the leadership of a guy named King Geshem, occupied a big territory to the south. The Ammonites lived in Persian territory to the east, and the men of Ashdod were to the west of Judah on the Mediterranean Sea. All four corners are covered. Judah's in the middle. They're surrounded by enemies and still to this day are surrounded by enemies. Judah was surrounded by those who wanted them to be destroyed. The gaps were beginning to be closed. The wall was only half as high as it should be, but it was almost continuous now. Therefore, the enemies of the work became very angry. See, with a wall up, they can defend themselves a little better. Half a wall... Well, that's better than no wall at all, but still there's 
Well, there's not a lot of protection with half a wall. See, I'm positive that the work of God often makes the enemy of our soul very angry. He often rages against the progress being made by God's people in touching a lost world for Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'll say this. It's not bad to make the devil angry. Some of you are like, oh, dude, but he's powerful. Yes, yes, he is. I don't go out there and try to pick a fight with the dude. I had a friend that actually tried to do that, and I watched him in the spiritual warfare that took place in this man's life. Man, he lost everything. And when I say everything, everything. And and then when he bowed on his face and he got rid of his pride, then the Lord said, okay, it was my battle in the first place, not yours. And things are starting to be restored to him. He's starting to build his walls again. See, what happens is all these enemies here that we read about conspire together to come and attack. As the work progressed, the enemies became more serious. They were like, all right, so we, you know, the rumors of war didn't really work, so now we got to do something. Now, they didn't simply complain or mock. They threatened and they planned. They planned for violence. Before, it was just a bunch of talk. Now, there's some planning going on. When you, when you tend to plan, that means you're pretty serious about moving forward with the next step. So on the one hand, there was this, it was serious. The wall was built to protect against the attacks of violence. And now it seems that the very building of the wall may prompt an attack to come. So it's kind of the thought is this, well, you know, great. If we wouldn't have built the wall, we'd all be safe. Not really. At some point, your enemies were going to come in anyway and destroy you. They didn't want you there. So the the thought process is great. See what we've done? We've actually made these guys mad. Well, here it is. If it would have been easy for the people to fear, to think perhaps all their work would be made useless. That's the easy thought to go to. On the other hand, it wasn't serious at all. We noticed that they didn't attack. They just talked about it. But still, it's very scary when somebody threatens an attack. Sanballat and Tobiah were hoping that the threat of attack would be enough. So once again, they're going back to the words. See, Satan uses that very same strategy on you and I. If we're paralyzed by a threat, the threat has really worked. He has to do nothing more, even though nothing actually happens against us. You know, sometimes those threats are, well, you know, I can't miss work for whatever because I might lose my job or I might not be in line for the promotion. I used to have a boss And he would tell people, you know, your job is important. And and if you want promotion, you will do whatever it takes to do your best at work. But he'd often go back in and he would laugh and he would say, you know, I wonder how many people are going to be brave enough to ask for time off. Those are the guys I want. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, because if they ask for time off, it proves that they are willing to stop and rest and do what's important, and they're not intimidated by hardly anything or anyone, and so they will do these things. And so he was like, you know, now there are those who will always take advantage, and those will be the ones that will never get anything. But the ones who are wise with their time, he's like, you know, I want to honor that person. And if I give to them and they see that I give to them, then they will work twice as hard for me and they will produce more, which is true. Sometimes you just have a jerky boss that just says no. But I'm saying if you need time off, if you need a break, 
You know, pray about it first. Don't just, hey, you know, today's a good day. The sun's out and I feel like, but pray first. See, Satan uses the same strategy of fear against you and I. We should not ever be paralyzed by a threat. See, what it does, it creates confusion. And this is an important strategy of Satan to create confusion among the people. A confused people will never move forward to fulfill God's work. They will never move forward. They, they'll do a lot of stuff. There will be a lot of movement, but it won't be forward. It will just kind of be in a jumbled circle. If you've ever watched three-year-olds play soccer, it's called bunch ball. It's just a bunch of kids that chase a ball around the field. And it's cute. It's as cute as all get out. But what, what if you watched professional soccer players do the same thing? You'd be like, this is crazy. It's, it, it's chaos if that would happen. So a confused people never move forward to fulfill God's work. They're usually confused because they get distracted by the tricks instead of focusing on God and his promises. See, Satan doesn't want you focusing on God's promises. He wants you to see his tricks and his confusion, his stuff, the threat. Nobody's ever been hurt by a threat. You know, you heard, you know, in the schoolyard maybe, is that a threat or a promise? And some kids would say, man, it's just a threat. Some kids would say it was a promise. You're like, okay, cool. We have to deal with it after school at the bike rack or wherever. See, it's never promised. Let me say this. It's never, ever promised anywhere in the Bible. Nehemiah didn't get a promise of it's going to be easy, Nehemiah, to build the walls. Nothing's going to happen. God said, I'll be with you. And look what happens as God is with him. It's not easy, but it's promised to be achievable. It'll be promised to be achievable. For instance, God's words tell, tells us to seek counsel when we're making big decisions. Many choose to forego this. Because why, why do I have to ask somebody? What if they tell me no? I, I used to have people come and ask me, and, and they'd say, well, you know, I've decided, you know, or they'll say, you know what, Here, I'm coming for some counsels. Okay, cool. So what's the counsel? You know, what can I help you with? Well, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I should take this job, if I should do this, or if I should buy this. And I'm like, well, you know, let's talk about that. Well, you know, really, to be honest, I already did all three of those things. Oh, so you just want me to support your insanity is what you're saying. Or you want me to support what you've already decided to do. What are you here for? Don't come with your mind already made up. Come with a question. Should we do this? Do you seek godly counsel on situations? And sometimes, you know, it might seem like a great thing happening here. It might be the big money or the coolest car or the greatest house or the best girl or boy or whatever it is. And I've seen people turn those things down where you're just like, man, it looks good on the outside. They turn it down and it's like, praise the Lord that they did. See, a lot of people come and they, they don't make wise decisions. They don't seek godly counsel on those big decisions. They forego this. And when trouble comes and confusion sets in, then they come and they say, well, I don't know what to do now. How could this happen? I never saw this coming. But sometimes if you have, you know, two or three godly people that are around you, men or women or couples or whatever it is, and you throw that idea out there and they say, hey, you know what? I've been there. and I've done that. That's not a good idea. Or, you know, they're actually able to kind of look at it through a logic 
logical conclusion type of a deal, and maybe you didn't, then they say, well, you know, have you thought about this? No, I never thought about that. Have you thought about this? No, I didn't think about that. So sometimes that happens. See, as long as you live with one foot in the world, living according to the world's values and for the world's goals, well, Satan's not going to trouble you. He's not going to hassle you. Let me ask you this. You might just want to think this. If life is seemingly pretty darn good for you as a Christian, you might want to consider something. And what I mean by that is there's no troubles, nothing coming, no attacks. You might want to ask yourself, are you even a threat to the enemy? Are you living with one foot in the world and according to the world's values and the world's goals? Is the world telling you to live this way? And you're like, well, you know, everyone else does. Well, that's the world. Satan's not going to trouble you. Why would he trouble you? You're not a threat. So you can go to church and even pray and read your Bible, and he, he's not going to mind as long as you do nothing with it. I know a guy that's uh, a very smart guy. He's got a master's degree in all kinds of stuff, but if he doesn't do anything with him, it's like, with it, what for? To walk around? I mean, make a shirt that says, I've got a master's degree or a PhD or whatever it is. If you're doing nothing with it, what's the point? Some people say, well, we just wanted it. Uh, But Christianity isn't that way. Our walk with God isn't that way. Because Nehemiah could say, man, you know, I know all about the Bible. I know God. I know the God of heaven and earth. I know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Moses. I know how great and awesome he is. But you know what? There's this wall, and I'm going to do nothing about it. I'm just going to sit here and pray that the Lord bring people and bring workers to do the work. And that's my job. I'm the prayer guy. Well, if he put it on your heart to pray about it, maybe he's put it on your heart to go. And so the minute you wake up from your spiritual nap, you shake off that worldly mindset and commit yourself to radical obedience to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this, you're going to encounter spiritual opposition. Well, Mark, why would I want to do that? Life's good now. Why why do I want to have opposition? Why do I want to have stress? Why do I want to have problems? Because when you get to heaven, you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, not, that's all you did. I don't know if that's how Jesus will do it, but that's what I would rather hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, you, you showed up and your armor is beat up. Because we're to put on the full armor of God, it says. And I mean, how, how do you tell a guy has been in battle if he's got brand new armor? It's not dented. His sword doesn't have stains on it. Well, he's never used it. He sat around. He was never a threat in the first place. See, Satan usually doesn't need to invent problems. He just merely exploits or exasperates existing conditions. And Satan hates God and his people. Look at verse 9 with me. The attack is defended by prayer and watching. Nevertheless, he says, we made our prayer to God, and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Now this is an amazing thing. Nehemiah took his traditional line of action, which was prayer. That should be our traditional line of action in anything, is prayer. They might have given up believing the continued attack was a failure on God's part, and to answer prayer before, but they had more trust in God than that. See, God allowed the attack to go on. God allowed it. Though they prayed, though they were faithful and obedient, God allowed the attack to go on. And so here's the deal. 
even though he could have instantly swept it away, yet he allowed it to continue because he was delighted that his people had drawn closer to him with a deeper trust than ever before. Let me tell you this. Every time I go through a hardship, a hard time, and I start with prayer, and I think the Lord allows me to go through these things because it draws me closer and closer to him more and more ever than before. I look over the last 10 years of my life, and I'm like, yeah, man, I think I'm walking with the Lord closer than I've ever walked with him before. And I love it. See, God did his perfect work both in building the walls and his people. It's a perfect work in doing that. God continues to work. Am I a completed project? No way. Should, should my prayer life be more? Yes. Can, it, can my walk with the Lord be closer? Of course it could be. All of us could be. I would imagine that they prayed along the lines of what we saw in verses 4 and 5. And that kind of prayer is very common in the Psalms. For example, we find Psalm 5 verse 10. Punish them, God. Let them fall by their own schemes. Drive them out because of their many crimes, for they rebel against you. Then in Psalm 104, 35, may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked people be no more. See, these are not isolated examples of prayer and the kind of thinking in the Psalms. If you're not submitted to God, if you're not submitted to Jesus Christ, if you're not trusting his goodness, his faithfulness, and if you're not actively pursuing God's kingdom, but pursuing your own agenda, then you have set yourself up as God's enemy. There's a verse in the Bible that says God opposes the proud. The word in that verse, oppose, means you're his opposition, his enemy. We need to be careful. See, if you're God's enemy, you've made yourself your own God, and you try to rival him as the Lord of the world. It is righteous for the people of God to pray for God to triumph over you. It is. And so sometimes we have to see and we have to know and we have to understand that God is an awesome God. He's an amazing God. He is a God that can do all things. And so as we look through Nehemiah and as we continue to read, look at verse 10, it says, And then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. They were not able to build the wall. They were not able to continue with the work that was going on there. They were struggling. They had a tough time. And so Nehemiah says, hey, you know, we're failing. He takes it to the Lord. He tells them everything that is going on in this situation. He says, hey, Lord, we're having a tough time. Help me, Lord. Help me with this. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking through the book of Nehemiah, revealing God's provision and plans for his people and for you as you continue to follow him today. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Pastor Mark or the Come Alive ministry, head to our website, comealiveradio.com. There you'll also find an archive of our teachings, as well as a link to the church this program originates from, Calvary Chapel, Katy. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. Calvary Chapel Katy is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear. We genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. 
Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there. Thanks, Tracy. That phone number again is 281-391-5503. We want to know how we can be praying for you as well, so please let us know when you call. Prayer is powerful, and we are honored to be able to do this for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in today, and be sure to join us next time to keep learning from Nehemiah. That's right here on Come Alive.